Well, Tom. Yep. We just got done watching a White Sox walk off at home, not there at the park, so this doesn't yeah. count for our over-under at the beginning of the year. Good point. But, nonetheless, we saw a White Sox walk off today. What are your thoughts on the uh, last couple innings that we watched? Ah, uh, that... <laughs> I'm thinking about the eighth. You should have just said, what do I feel about the last inning? I feel great about the ninth oh, inning. I'm going to go with the last couple, make you think about it. Okay, yeah, the eighth inning was rough with the... Uh, the the Mankata strikeout was horrible, but that leadoff double was, looked so promising. Okay, we're getting a phone call. We are getting a phone call, and you know who that is, Tom. A very important phone call from the man Dan. The man Dan. All right, so coming to you again from the shantiest of Northside apartments, it's the Sons of Honarchy podcast with your hosts, Drunk Shy Sox fan and Hot Take Tommy. Today we've got two top tier interviews lined up for you. Our favorite farm watcher from down south, the one and only Dan Victor, is making his second appearance with us. And then we're bringing out the big guns from up north, the biggest Twinkies fan we know, literally and figuratively, also a fellow North Park grad, Joel Brand. Stay tuned for this twin bill presented by the Loop Sports and sponsored by 26 Shirts and Seat Geek. Today, we are joined once again, second time on the Sons of Honarchy podcast by the man, the somewhat myth, the legend, Dan Victor. Thank you, Dan, so much for joining us again for another episode of the Sons of Honarchy. All right, so Dan, we've, uh, we've got some, uh, some minor league questions for you today, um, questions that range. You're a minor league guy when it comes to the Sons of Honarchy, so we've got questions that are going to range from low A ball, which I know you spend a lot of time watching uh, within the Sox system, as well as uh, all the way up to AAA. So our first question is in regards to what are the biggest pleasant surprises you've seen this year, as well as the biggest disappointments so far uh, from this year's minor league development within the sock system. Okay, let's start with the uh, disappointments, I guess. I'm kind of disappointed that we've lost another year of development from Mike Rodolfo. He looked, you know, he's got some pretty impressive tools, big power, strong throwing arm, great body. He looks like he could be something special, and now we're going to lose another uh, another season from him. So I'd like to see him be able to develop those tools one of these days, so that's kind of disappointing. Uh, Dane Dunning, you know, Tommy John surgery, another another good pitcher falling victim to TJ surgery. And then, of course, uh, your guy and our guy, uh, Tyler Johnson. Yeah. You know, he hasn't hasn't pitched an inning yet, and I was looking forward to seeing what he was going to do because I know he worked hard with uh, the college pitching coach at uh, South Carolina, and he was working on a developing a knockout slider to go with his big fastball, and I was really hoping to see the uh, – the work and and reflecting the stats at double a and still waiting for him to get out on the field yeah absolutely and same with us we're definitely wishing all those guys and especially tyler since he's our guy um really the best absolutely road to recovery uh have you heard from him recently i haven't talked to him in a while i talked to him and he was doing some uh he was doing some i forgot what they call it but it's basically a shortened uh you're throwing off of a mound, but it doesn't have the same same angle. I think it's called a modified bullpen. Right. Mm. And uh, he was getting ready to uh, to start a, a throwing program, so I'm I'm assuming he's probably on a regular regular mound now and getting ready to hopefully make his debut sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, on on the positive side, I'm really excited about Bryce Bush and Lennon Sosa. Hmm. We got two uh, two teenagers down there at uh, Kannapolis at Low A, and they're both holding their own. You know, they're only 19 years old, and uh, Bush, he started the season, I mean, abysmally bad, five for five versus first 52, but he he was complaining of vision problems like early in the season, and uh, they were hoping that maybe it was just a, a glitch and that everything was going to work itself out. You know, he was getting used to playing night games after playing in the daylight all the time over in um, spring training, and uh, he said he was killing the ball in spring, and he gets to Kannapolis, and he goes five for 52. He says he couldn't see. They get him to the optometrist. He gets some contact lenses and just goes absolutely hog wild. He hit 24 for his next 71, 338 average, hit his first two homers, 15 extra base hits. He was on fire. And then fouled the ball off of his foot and uh, was dinged up and sore from that. And a couple games later, hits a foul ball off the same foot, same spot, and he's been on the DL ever since. But he should be back soon. I'm thinking after their day off on the 29th, I think he'll be back on the 30th playing again. Um, Lennon Sosa, another you know 19-year-old, great defender, really quick hands, good bat-to-ball skills, a reasonably low K rate. Um, he looks real promising as well. And then there's a, a kid, a bullpen kid, kind of Canapolis, a really tall pitcher named Lane Ramsey. I want to say he's about 6'10". Uh, long, long arms, long legs, got the baby giraffe look, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, he takes a long stride towards home, then he's got long extension, and he throws downhill at 97 miles an hour with a the, with the slider. He looks like he could be really interesting as well. Nice. So all good things to hear from uh lower side of the, the farm system, and that gives us a little bit of hope of what's coming up. Um I mean, we did just watch a walk-off, though, so we should be a little bit happy That's with true. it. true. So just right before you called in, Dan, we had uh, we were actually recording it, too, as we were uh, wrapping up. But uh, we had a White Sox winner uh, walk-off uh, base hit by Yolmer Sanchez with the bases loaded in the ninth inning. So Really? Yeah. It was a makeup from uh, rain, semi-rain. Yeah, it was like a suspended rain out because they tied it yesterday night no I, I think i think my really was because i can't believe yomer was the highlight <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> hey all he had to do is basically make contact in the outfield because casey was playing with five infielders to try and get the double play ball going so sure yeah. good for him though i guess um but yeah so speaking of yomer actually this, this yes speaking of second base in general of uh, we are uh hearing all sorts of stuff on social media, obviously, about Nick Magical. Um, and we have our own questions about whether or not he's going to be the goods like we think he's going to be, uh, like everybody's saying he's going to be. Um, so what do you think his ceiling is at the plate specifically? Um, and, and talking about, like, leading off and um, what's leading you to think these kind whatever you've got um, percolating? I think... <laughs> Those bat-to-ball skills, they, you don't find that in this day and age. It's Tony Gwynn-like numbers, you know, mm-hmm. six strikeouts and 193 plate appearances. Um, that's insane, especially in the launch angle revolution years that we live in now that people don't care about strikeouts. Um, you know, we're talking about a 3% K rate. So I think very 
favorably of him. I, I didn't at first because, you know, you don't see the power, of course, but he's, he's a small guy. I'm thinking, you know, when he hits the gym and puts on some muscle and um, hopefully he's not just slapping the ball around and hopefully he's finding some gaps because, I mean, with those kind of bat-to-ball skills, that could be a batting title one day. I'm hoping. Mm, yeah, absolutely, especially with the way baseball is shifting. Like, if he, yeah, if he continues to have the same kind of bat-to-ball skills as he progresses through the system. Um, I, I guess my question, especially in regards to Madrigal, Dan, is in regards to him, I know a lot of people are set on him being the leadoff hitter in a future White Sox team 2021. Um, do you think, even in this era of where power numbers and slugging percentage and um, you mentioned like launch angle, all of these things, uh, things that Madrigal or even exit velocity, things that Madrigal has not really proven to be on the upside of. Do you think that he can be a leadoff hitter on the White Sox team? uh, Or do you think he's more of like a bottom, you know, maybe like a seven, eight or nine hitter? No, when when D. Gordon was with Miami and won the uh, the batting title, he was a low low exit velocity guy as well. He he still hit about three thirty, so I think that uh, Madrigal is definitely a top of the order guy. Okay, I like that take. I love that take. I love that take. So, um, that being said, uh, in your time, you're usually watching Canapolis this season, right? Mm-hmm. So. Not counting the guys that have already been moved up, like Steel Walker or Alex Destino, who has the capability in low A ball of to really break out over the next couple of years, in in your opinion? Yeah, let's go back to uh, it's got to be Sosa and Bush for me. Um, Bush has this insane motor. I don't know if you read an article I wrote on Southside Socks about him that was on about two or three weeks ago. Um, I talked to his his agent, his father, the scout that signed him, and this kid, just his work ethic is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, the White Sox gave him an app for his phone to guide him through, you know, his off-season workouts. That way they don't miss any time when they're away from, you know, the team in Arizona and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would do this app religiously every day, and he would run wind sprints in the snow on football fields, and they, they told him, you know, Bryce, you don't have to run outside. You know, it's 20 degrees in Michigan. You can do this on the treadmill. But he was out in the, out in the snow doing wind sprints and, and getting his running in. Um, his scout told me that his Bryce's father sent him a video on Christmas Eve at 11 o'clock. They're finishing up batting practice and indoors. And this kid, uh, that app thing that I was telling you about, they gave him to uh, for his off-season workouts. He skipped one day, and I asked, you know, why, what he skipped the day for? It was because he was getting his wisdom teeth out the second day, so he did a double workout the day before. That's just the <laughs> – That's fantastic. Yeah, and he's he's not like – he's unbelievable for a 19-year-old kid. You know, I asked him if, if he's interested in Marvel, you know, Marvel Universe, Game of Thrones, um, Harry Potter, and he, no, none of that. The kid is interested in – hitting home runs and crushing baseballs. And that's what he nice. wants to do. And that's what he does. Well, Oh man, that's when, uh, an awesome story. We got to link that in uh link your article. We'll, we'll remember to do that. Yeah. For when, sure. uh, Cause that's an awesome story. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. 
this kid was a baseball prodigy when he was a kid. His father told me that he could throw to him when he was six, seven, eight years old. He could throw to him like he was a grown up. He said he didn't even have to hold hold up on it. And uh, said when he was ten years old, he was hitting balls as far as high school juniors and seniors. The the Detroit Tigers hitting coordinator noticed him when he was about ten or eleven years old at some kind of camp. And uh, his agent his agent was a former scout. Uh, with the Detroit Tigers and I believe the Cleveland Indians, and he had the, a workout, a training facility, and he said he was sitting in the in the office on his laptop doing some work, and he hears this, you know, just incredible whack whack, you know, the baseball just sound like it's blow, blowing up in there, and he's thinking there must be a pro in there taking batting practice, you know, during the off season. He goes to see who it was because you know that was his scout ears perking up, and he sees it's a. Uh, Bryce Bush, who was a high school junior at the time. So I, I just can't say enough positives about him. If you read that article I wrote, you will be uh, impressed with what we have coming in him. Yeah, definitely, definitely hoping so. I've, I've, seen, I've, got, I've, I've seen it from not just you, but po- uh, multiple positive things about Bryce Bush. Um, so it's good to you know, hear you, you know, tell a story about that too and how even from a young age we can see so much standout potential from Bryce Bush. Um, moving into a higher, you know, moving into the higher levels, AAA, and, and now the pros, um, your guy, uh, Sevi Zavala, have you mentioned in our first interview, uh, mm-hmm. is up. Um, so early prediction from before the season, you said that he was going to make an impact on the major league level. I'm going to ask you, do you still stand by that? And what do you think is going to make him stand out? Um, he's definitely going to make an impact at the major league level. I don't know if it'll ever be with the White Sox because, you know, they have a lot of money invested in Collins. And I'm thinking, of course, this call-up here is nothing more than a a cup of coffee. Well, we go through the concussion protocol with Wellington Castillo. But uh, he's definitely, to me, he's a major leaguer. When they asked asked, um, Kopech, and Eloy, for you know their secret picks to click in the off season, um, both of them spoke favorably about Sebi. Um, he's, he can hit. He's got power. He's great at handling the staff, um, and he's super super intelligent. Baseball IQ wise, he's just he's a special kind of player. Keeps his head down, works hard, and uh, I'm just very impressed with him. Ever since I saw him in 2016. And he's gotten better ever since. Yeah. So do you think – here's kind of a, a rough question here, but do you think he could possibly make an impact enough? And I know this would break Tommy's heart here because I'm not sure if you know about this, but uh, I started a little bit of a hashtag on Twitter. It's the hashtag boycott beef movement for beef Wellington Castillo. Um do you think this is he could possibly make enough of an impact for the Sox to DFA Wellington Castillo? I would hope so, but if it's just you know the the minimum with the concussion, you never know. Concussions are funny, you know they've derailed careers for guys and for other guys that come back in the minimum number of days. So uh, I would hope that he would get enough of an opportunity, but with McCann being the primary catcher right now, I don't know if he'll get enough at bats this time around. But I would I would certainly not be opposed to uh, to Sebi being on the White Sox for the rest of the year. Right now, you know, he started over five with five Ks in his first at bat, 
but he's got to uh, get over the initial nerves of, of being in the major leagues, and I'm sure he's going to come around. For sure. We're hoping so as well. Sebi is definitely somebody that I've really taken an interest to watching as a player. So it's really good to see him up, and we're obviously wishing him the best. And one thing I want to propose, Dan, is, you know, we've got some Sons of Honarchy t-shirts. So if you have any uh, Sebi Lever t-shirts still, uh, you (laughs) might want to let us know. We could do maybe a t-shirt swap. (laughs) That sounds good. Those were, uh, my wife made those, so I can definitely, uh, we can arrange something. Sounds good. Hey, like to hear that. Um, so we know you're uh, a Luis Gonzalez guy. So um, talk to us a little bit about what you saw in his stat line that said he'd eventually break out, and uh, what it is uh, about his game, in your opinion, that opinion that's making him successful right now in his hot streak. Um, his K rate right now is actually uh, lower. It's lower right now than it was in Kannapolis last year when he was when he was killing it and making the all-star team. Uh, I think he's about a 17.8%. So he's clearly not overmatched by the double-A pitching. Now, Birmingham's a tough park to hit in. Um, but, you know, obviously he's not overmatched by pitching. And sometimes that's the biggest, the biggest jump in the minor leagues, they always say, is from A-ball to double-A. You know, you're getting the pitchers that really have a clue – they can throw their breaking ball in any count. They can throw it for strikes in any count. They know how to sequence guys and work backwards. So he's getting used to uh, getting used to seeing all this stuff on a more consistent basis than he was seeing it in A ball. And uh, he started slowly, but it kind of reminded me of his draft year. He started slowly at Kannapolis, and he ended up with a 240. I want to say a 246 line for his first year, but the OBP was good. His second month in the pros after he started really poorly was really good. And it kind of, that stat line that the 246 average was kind of disguised by the uh, how cold he started overall. And I figured it was a lot like what he did this year. But the ground ball rate is, is the same as it was last year. The strikeout rate, very similar. And I think something about him um, with Luis Robert in the lineup, I think great players inspire other great players because, you know, nobody wants to wants to play second fiddle to anybody. And I think that, if anything else, it would help him uh, be in the same outfield with uh, with Luis Robert. Yeah, and for sure, I, I totally get what you're saying because I think I played, when I played baseball, which more so, when I, Tommy's laughing over here because it's <laughs> Little League in one year of high school. He but. brings up his baseball career like he was like Jackie Robinson or some like crazy oh, good gosh. player. He didn't even okay, play sports through. in general, though. <laughs> I think sports in general, the teams that were best, the teams that I played on that were the best teams were always the teams that always brought the best out in me. Uh, and when I played my best, so I think that's a really good point that you bring out. It's not really something you can measure. It's not like a statistic mm. that's measurable, but it is something that it is something to take into consideration. Um, I love that you bring up Robert, which leads to kind of my next question for you. Um, the outfield in Chicago, once again, not very good this season. Lots of people calling on the organization to bring Robert up, uh, though Tilson has actually not been bad at the plate, right, yep. Tom? Hit so, that grand slam. That's right. Oh gosh, one play right there. So, do you do you think Robert 
possibly gets a, the September call-up or an early contract like Eloy did, you know, in the offseason? Or do you think that the Sox organization pulls like a Chris Bryant where they wait until the service time rule lapses? We we can never rely on the White Sox to do the right thing in uh, <laughs> field. They're not going to field the best 25 guys in the organization until it makes sense to do so from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, – they, they know this team is probably a 90-loss team. I cannot see them doing anything with Luis Robert this year. Um, Chilson is not a bad placeholder either. I mean, he was a second-round pick. He right. got a $1.275 million signing bonus. Um, his stat line in the majors is almost identical to the minors. He's clearly not, not been overmatched. His uh, average, his on-base percentage, his uh, – K rates are almost the same as they were in the minor leagues, and he's been playing in the minors for a good long time. So uh, I think he's a good placeholder, and they should just let him be, and maybe he'll turn himself into a reliable uh, fourth outfielder or uh, or trade bait. Yeah, very true. So that was – I mean, that was a great take. I think that, like, that's pretty much the ceiling that we have for him, and it's – that. To talk about him in any other way is kind of a little, little. Yeah. and he's a local kid too. He's from Winnetka, so you got to like. You, you want to pull for him. He's a good story for the meantime, and he, we, we, you're excited. He's an easy guy to cheer for. Um, so we're sure. happy for him for sure. Um, but you know, this was you knew this was going to come up, um, being that you're our minor league guy. Uh, the Dylan Cease question, right? So. What's your view on why the Sox are holding him up and why they're not calling him up to Chicago? And at this point, is it a disservice to Dylan Cease to have him still pitching in the minor leagues? Well, to me, it's a disservice anytime you don't have the best 25 guys in your organization on the roster. Hmm. And I clearly believe that he is one of the top starting pitchers in the organization. But Remember, his maximum innings pitch since his Tommy John surgery was last year 124 innings. I'm sure they probably won't want to increase that by more than 20%, which would probably put him right around 150. But I'd certainly rather see him pitching innings of substance for a, a major league team than hitting in, I mean, pitching in the launching pad that is Charlotte. Um, right. Yeah, don't be don't be confused when you look at the stat line either on Chase or any of the guys that pitched down in Charlotte. It's a, it's a launching pad, and now that they switched to the uh, the major league ball, it's worse than ever. So, don't if you see an ERA hovering around four, don't think that he's losing anything because it's just a product of that ballpark and and the AAA in general with the major league ball. But uh, he's got two two pitches that grade out at seventy you know, the fastball and the curveball. But he does need to work on his uh, his third pitch, either the change or the slider, to get it up to par. And, you know, I guess they'd rather have him do it down there in Charlotte. But if the team's going nowhere, I don't see what it would hurt letting him see what he needs to do to succeed at the next level. But, you know, from a business standpoint, of course, they're going to probably keep him down on the farm. Right. 
Yeah, and it, it's sad to think about that because I I know their biggest issue with Cease going into the offseason was his control issues. And if you look at his his walks per nine, um, it's it's significantly down. Uh, whereas his Ks per nine have about hovered about the same, gone down a little bit. Um, and something to keep in consideration, like you already mentioned, is that Charlotte is a big-time hitter's ballpark. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely painful over here in Chicago to yeah. watch guys like Manny Banuelos or Dylan Covey uh, take the mound. Um, yeah, I mean, these are the guys that we talk about it all the time, saying, like, their ceiling is long relief men, and we're doing not only, like, our guys like Dylan Cease a disservice by not bringing them up, we're doing those guys a disservice by trying to stretch them into uh, players that they're never going to be. Like, they're never going to be a big league starter, and to try and stretch them into one is hurting their careers as well as our eyes, you know? So it's, it's rough over here. For sure. No, it, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, dang, Dan, you you are awesome. The wealth of knowledge that you're bringing into this podcast, we I don't even know if we deserve it. Like, the you most definitely of, don't. <laughs> it's amazing. Can I mention two more guys? Yes, please, absolutely. Please. Bring it on. All right. I wanted to mention two more guys because it wouldn't be fair – for these guys not to get some kind of notice because they've been killing it down on the farm. Um, Ian Dawkins, he was a 27th round pick. Um, he's 24 years old and he's playing in, you know, low A ball, which is old for the level. But uh, mm. I noticed last year when he got moved up from uh, great balls that he had some uh, very quick bat speed and he's hitting, he's hitting 340 with a 14% K rate. So uh, he's definitely a fun player to watch. I don't know, you know, where he maxes out but i mean if as long as you're hitting 340 with a 14% k rate i guess as long as you continue to do so someone's going to find a spot for you somewhere um the other one Kyle Kubat he's at double a um you know most of the time when guys are in in the minor leagues you know they get converted from being starters to being relievers he went reversal of that whole formula and he went from being a reliever to being a starter he's a small lefty 61 but uh, he's killing it at Birmingham, three and one, one point four four ERA at the six to one strikeout to walk ratio. So he's somebody to keep an eye on as well because lefties are funny. You know they don't they don't have to throw as hard, and when they do throw as hard, you can have something really special. But uh, those guys definitely deserve some attention. Yeah, I love that you bring up Kubat especially. I think he's really flown under the radar because our minor league system, especially our top 30, is, you know, flooded with bigger names like, you know, we've got Dane Dunning, we've got Alec Hansen, we've got Tyler Johnson, we've got um, Bernando Flores and a laundry Jimmy list Lam- of guys, yes, if you will. Yes, there we go. A laundry <laughs> list of guys, Jimmy Lambert. Um, and they're all either they've touched double a or they're on their way to double a or even triple a so i love that you bring up kyle kubat because i really think that he's got um he's another guy that could have a really good shot at being a, having a future spot on a 25-man roster with the organization absolutely 
So thanks again, Dan, for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate once again you having a having you on the podcast and you giving us your wealth of information, which is more than Tommy and I could ever muster up. Yeah. Uh, you really have been a blessing in disguise to this podcast and us building this thing from the ground up. So we really have you to thank. Well, I appreciate you guys having me uh, having me on again. And uh, when you make that trip down here for the uh, for your circuit of traveling the Sox minor leagues and you want to see uh, Winston-Salem and Charlotte and Kannapolis, give me a holler. Absolutely will, oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, and we got to get those T-shirts, too. That's right. We're going to be in touch about those Seppi Weaver T-shirts. Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> All right. Here and remember, the next here. time you make a bet, um, make sure you – uh, you set up an out for any injuries. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, you got me. Oh, you're right. You're so right, though. <laughs> injury, injury clauses are key. Oh, All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Dan. We'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. So. All that being said, Tom, we just had an excellent interview with the one, the only, Dan Victor. Yeah, I was real excited about that. I, I mean it when I say this. I don't think we deserve him. Like, he's too good at what he's doing down there in the minor leagues. He is too good for the Sons of Honarchy podcast. Let's figure out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, it, it's really cool that we get to have him come on and uh, teach us a little something about what's going on down there and throw some names out there that not all of us are aware of and uh, give us a heads up on uh, Sammy Sosa's little cousin and uh, <laughs> how good he's going to be. So I'm excited. No, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I, I, got no, I got nothing else to say. Um, so on that note, Tom, how about that beer bet? How about that beer bet? I shook him up. You, sh- you, you did, didn't you? <laughs> no, no. Okay, so in all to to clear the conscience, I did not shake the beers when I gave them to you after losing the bet. They just happened to explode on you when you opened them, which I think is a happy accident. There are no happy accidents. <laughs> None. Whatever, man. Whatever. I, I still think I. You should have been a little bit more merciful. Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I didn't want to put bad juju on Carlos Rodon and say he's gonna get injured. Because if I said he was gonna get injured and said, "Oh, we gotta put an injury clause in," it's like contracts in baseball. You gotta put an injury clause in there somewhere. Oh my God. Sorry, I'm not. Freaking Scott Boris over Rick Hahn, baby. Come on now. <laughs> Either way, I'm out here saying that I am happy-ish. Well, I'm not I'm not mad that those beers exploded on you. Of course you're not, because you're a terrible human being. <laughs> Get out of here. Alright. So um, on that note, Tom, we have another interview coming up in just a few minutes with a good old faithful 
Minnesota Twin Faithful. Yeah, we got Joel Branda, uh, another uh, White uh, White Sox North Park alumni. Uh, We're a big fan of North Park alumni from that are fans of other teams. So yeah, we're gonna probably be seeing more of the more of that theme running throughout the uh, the podcast. So we're gonna have him on. Uh, he's big Twinkies fan and uh, really excited to talk to him about a little baseball. For sure. Even though that series was boo-boo. Yeah, we'll touch on that, but we won't dwell there because we don't want to be depressed. So That's fair. (laughs) This next interview is brought to you by Mark Walters Media, bringing you the hottest video content from Chicago's premier Southside artists and the best in live music. Mark Walters Media provides the highest quality in music videos, your events video coverage, and the content you need to build your brand on social media. Be sure to follow Mark Walters Media on Instagram, at Mark Walters Media, and on Twitter, at underscore Mark Walters underscore, to stay in tune with the best of Chicago's entertainment. A huge honor, Joel. Here's the deal. I recently submitted a Twitter mailbag question to the local twins podcast here called gleeman and the geek and they didn't even read it so i've been a little bit on the low right now wondering if i can even offer relevant content to anyone anymore but you know you get a phone call like this and there's hope for a better day that's tough that's real tough well know that you are always yeah that's bogus on them though that's not bogus on on you at all no you are always welcome to drop questions our way here on the sons of honarchy podcast too well well, the question that I asked them is sort of applicable to, to you all, too. I asked them, oh who are the top five most popular athletes in Minnesota right now? Ooh, that's oh, a great that's question. A great and question. it's a question you can ask about Chicago, too, and it's it's not an easy one with two baseball teams in your town. But, it, you know, it's, it's topics that can be discussed on a later date when you want to go more Chicago-centric. I mean, we can discuss that right now. Why the hell not? Top yeah. five Top five most popular athletes in Chicago? And this is at the moment, right? In this moment. At the moment, you walk around the streets. Whose jersey are you seeing? Who do people want to be talking about? I think there's a clear number one. There's a clear number one in Chicago. And that's, I mean, if you ask me, it's Javi Baez. Mr. Trubisky. I would would disagree. Really? At the moment? You want me to, you want to hit a drum roll or do you want me to just kind of say it? Go for it. <laughs> it's Khalil Mack. You know, that's oh, yeah. fair. I've no, got Mack's right. jersey right. already. I got the Mack Attack jersey he, already. You're, you're he talking. just completely stole the show. First game, Green Bay, interceptions, just won the city over. He, he is in my top five for sure. He definitely would have been my top five. It would have been, for me, it's, it's, it's Baez, Khalil Mack, Trubisky's got to be in yeah. three. Kane. No. Patrick Kane. Nope. I know it's off season, but Patrick Kane. Um It doesn't have to be the off season, by the way. Hockey's still being played at a professional level. It, it is. Ugh. Ugh. I, I don't want to think about that though. It's the blues and the Bruins. I, I think it's clearly Javi number two, in my opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to give me the pulse on where Tim Anderson fits on this better than I will. Bottom part of, of the top five, but I think I think he, especially he's, after stick talk, bat yeah, flip, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're Dude, on he's, a, he's ahead of Trubisky. Yeah, I think so, too. Really? I think you're giving, I think you're I giving Ten God a little so, bit too much credit I here. see so many Trubisky jerseys. I really, really? do. I, I see them everywhere, man. 
Number ten. But is there a chance that they were purchased ironically? That's how all. Many, I'm saying. How, how many Chicago frat no, boys no. are you hanging out with? I yeah. I live in Lakeview. I just see them walking around. Yeah. It's not my fault. Touché. They're outside. <laughs> so yeah. So to complete my list, Baez, Mac, Kane, Bryant. Yeah, yeah, I think Bryant tops Rizzo. There's not a bull, dude. There's not a bull. There's not a, a single bull. bull. Not no. a single bull. If they sure. would have gotten the number one pick, maybe Zion, but yeah, or Ja, maybe Ja would have, you know, Otto two, Porter but... Jr. Uh, ja Rule is a top five athlete in Chicago. Ja Rule, point, yeah, ja Rule. you know he is. He really <laughs> is. I like it, dude. Let me just say this compliment to you two. I listen to a podcast of my least favorite baseball team in the entire world because of how charismatic you are. So, cheers to that. Let's go. I got a beer in hand. Cheers to that. Cheers to that, dude. I love it. So, do you mind if we take just a hot second? I want to make sure. Yeah, I'm going to make sure that we're (laughs) recording correctly here because we've been recording this whole time. So, I want to make sure that it's actually playable, listenable stuff. So hold well, on. luckily I wrote down every word I was gonna say so far. So if you guys didn't get it recorded, <laughs> I can completely recite everything that's on in this Here we and go. We're back. TB doesn't back. stand for tuberculosis for nothing. Oh I'm, I'm gonna quote that from here on out. I'm so honored. Alrighty, guys. Oh, so good. here we are. Here we are. Um, so. Now that we've got the the precursor buried away here, let's get into these questions. I got a feeling we're going to be on the mic with Joel for a long time here. He's cracking us up already. This um, is fun. We've got the 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 big guy from the north, the man who needs no introduction uh, from Jim e- Tommy himself. <laughs> Good to be on the podcast. Uh, really want to say, been listening since day one. Uh, Jim Tommy supports what you're doing here in the Sons of Hanarchy. Okay, oh, this is a great question for you as as a Twins fan. What are your thoughts on Jim Tommy? He destroyed the Twins in an Indians uniform. He destroyed the Twins in a White Sox uniform, mm-hmm. and then he came to your ball club. He was super beloved in Minnesota. I mean, he wasn't here that long, but he smashed homers and for the, for a while had like the longest home run record at Target Field. And he just had some big hits, dude. So I am completely fine with him. I don't hold this. Uh, I'm going to call you out, Tommy. I don't hold this like I can't root for players oh, from previous teams on my yes. team. <laughs> It needs to be talked about more, dude. You you recently said it might take you up to a full season to let a tiger <laughs> wear a white Sox jersey, and you be comfortable with that. I you real you realize how baseball is being played right now, right? Free fact, agency. Have the, you have you learned that concept? The fact that you just called Tommy out on his crap is wonderful. Tommy, rebuttal, please. <laughs> I'm out here. I just. I literally cannot do Tigers. I just, I can't deal with those people. So to have one of them play for the White Sox is hard. And yes, McCann having an all-star season is helping that turn around. I but don't know about all-star season, but okay. Uh, well, easy, easy. We'll, we'll get there. But I'm just saying, like... It does. I, did I say full season? I think I meant half. Season. You said half. You said half to a full. Okay. Check so. the tape, Sam Browns. Check the tape. <laughs> we do While we're on the topic of what Tommy has said on this podcast, 
he talked about the Dunkin' Donuts sponsorship being a plus five war. <laughs> you know it's <laughs> five war. Thank you. Dude, that's, that's straight out of uh, Seinfeld when George Costanza <laughs> changes the uniform material from cotton to polyester. Oh. Uh, no, the other way around. I and didn't then even all know. the uniforms shrink and everyone <laughs> hates him. I could just imagine Tommy getting like decaf coffee and everyone for some reason is like more tired and people are like just upset about it. Anyways, it's just a Seinfeld reference I have to make. Holy crap. That is so perfect. But yes, I still I stand by that as well. I stand by not being ready for McCann and I'm standing by being a five war promotion guy with Dunkin' Donuts for the day games. I'm standing by You just said by Dunkin' it. Donuts like a true Chicagoan. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin'. I don't know. <laughs> America runs on Dunk. All right, we're moving. We're moving. So we just went up to the uh, to the Great White North and um, well, got we didn't. The White Sox. Yeah. Did. Okay, you're right. I wasn't there, but we got swept in a very, very convincing fashion. Um, what is your takeaway, Joel Brand, as a Twinkies fan, uh, seeing that how it went down? I mean, there's always something you can take away from a series, right? So what are you what are you pulling out of that one? Dude, the thing with the Twins right now that is fun to watch is they have their swag back, and they have this charisma in the ball in the clubhouse that is really kind of putting everybody on uh, like loose. They're not on edge anymore, and it's something that I think is so important in a baseball clubhouse. Dude, this isn't this isn't football where it's sixteen games. And eight of those weeks are at home anyways, working basically a, a nine to seven. And you, you got to do eight weekends with these, you know, guys. So you can kind of get away with some knuckleheads in the clubhouse in that locker room. We got 25 people that spend 162 full days together. Right. If, if you don't like each other, it is the dog days of summer left and right, dude. And it, it, it's just a minefield for people to make mistakes and to get kind of not on their top of their game. And, and it's something that I think Tim Anderson could provide for you all. It's a culture when you're a baseball player, such a public, public position. If you can't feel like you can be yourself, it's just crippling. You got handcuffs around your, your arms and you got to have a manager who allows you to be you. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking that, Renteria is doing a good enough job of doing that, but um, you know what? Steve is very anti-Renteria. I just so. don't think he brings a winning culture. When you talk about culture and you talk about winning culture and at least a history of winning too, I don't think Renteria has that. Now, obviously, you have to look at the talent that has surrounded him, and that's something to take into consideration, whether it was when he was the manager of the Cubs or the manager of the White Sox, but it it's not there. Um, I don't think Ricky Renteria is going to be the guy to lead the White Sox to the promised land here. Well, well, and you just need an identity, too. Like, what would you say is the identity of the White Sox right now? Rebuild Central. <laughs> everything about it. Place And so placeholders. if that's the day-in and day-out feel for these guys, how are they going to come to a rival ball, ballpark who's not making mistakes right now? I mean, that's something that has been fun to watch we're not sailing the ball over first base often mm. and so you're gonna have to beat us and if your posture is rebuild you're not gonna beat better teams yeah 
Dang, that's the best take I've heard all day. That's a good one. I, I mean, Ozzy Guillen, for what he was, gave this club that you root for an identity. Mm-hmm. An identity that it's you just probably something to hang your hat on. As a Twins fan, you probably hated that identity too. You're probably oh my like, God, gosh, I hate dude. playing that team. A hundred percent. And and that's like peak me watching baseball in middle school, early high school for my fandom. You know, you don't love the game any more than that era of your life. Right. And so he's the bad guy in it. You know, AJ Pruszynski yeah. is the traitor in it. Uh, it's just all that stuff. Paul Tenrico is the guy that you just respect, but good gravy did he just slaughter the ball against this. For sure. Hey, speaking of guys that slaughter the ball against us, I mean, that's basically your entire lineup right now. Um, so, specifically free agent signings, because this kills me with the White Sox, because we went out into free agency and we did an absolute shit job this past year in free agency and just going out and getting guys that are are little to no value to us this year. Um, we're, we're looking at guys that you have. We've, we've got Jonathan Shoup. We've got... Scope. Uh, scope. Pardon me. I don't know why I pronounced that as Shoup. You were reading it and it's spelled weird. It is. It's spelled <laughs> like Shoup. It reminds me of Bears football, John Shoup. Um, so, Jonathan Scoop. Um, scope. Scope. Jesus. <laughs> How many takes do I need to pronounce this? Marlon Gonzalez, Nelson Cruz, and uh, the waiver wire, CJ Crone. Um who who do you think, you know, what's your take on that first and foremost, and who do you think's been the biggest impact? Well, so we had some guys last year. I mean, free agency is not only about who you get, but it's who you lose. And we had Joe Mauer, Robbie right. Grossman, some other players who were high on-base percentage guys. And we lost them for the all-or-nothing home run, high-launch angle swings of all of those guys. Well, right now we're riding that out real nice. Uh, we're we're like scheduled on track for like 320 home runs, which would obliterate Major <laughs> League's history record. Um, also, the Minnesota Park is not a hitter's park. No, it's not. So that's not going to happen all season. I don't think our home run record is sustainable. We are not the greatest hitting home run team of all time. This is CJ Crone playing first base right now. <laughs> I mean, I love the guy. Playing great. But what I do notice about our guys is particularly they're all hitters. And that was something that Twins fans were constantly talking about because our bullpen wasn't reinforced heavily besides uh, Blake Parker um, and and Martin Perez was turned into a starter, but he was brought in as a pitcher. Um, all of these guys were hitters. And what's crazy is Marlon Gonzalez was a last minute, no one else is going to sign this guy. We can get him for basically $11 million a year. Why not have an all-around utility guy? Because someone's going to get hurt. It was Sano right away. It was Williams after the deal after him. And so he's gotten consistent playing time as a super utility but we had all hitters, and we trusted our new pitching coach named Wes Johnson, who, from all accounts, was the most elite college pitching coach. And that pipeline has not been utilized by Major League Baseball often to have an elite college pitching coach come up. And so we trusted that a couple of changes could be made on our pitching staff and, and then add these 
hitters that are changing their approach, and we go from a team that was a bottom dweller to the best record in baseball. Yeah, I mean, you you said it just there. It's just like this culture changed uh, overnight for you guys. Like you were, yeah, I mean, not that great of a team with some talent last year. Then you lose, and this kind of bleeds into one of the questions we had. Like you got you guys lost uh, Maurer. And what was it? Was Garden Hire? Was that your manager? Yeah, it was last a year? couple years ago. Huh? Paul Molitor. Molitor was the was the manager last year, and now you got Baldelli. Um, and so this whole change in culture, are you digging this? Do you do you feel like a loss with um, the the partying of that old culture, or are you like all on board, like bandwagon for this new culture that's in in town for the Twins? Call me the train conductor, man. Choo-choo. <laughs> We're all aboard, man. I am digging it like a shovel. Um, the thing the thing with Rocco Baldelli is he has people that he trusts in key positions, and he lets them coach. Hmm. He lets the pitching coach do all of that. Molitor was so hands-on with the hitting because he's one of the greatest hitters that baseball has ever seen. But we've heard this a lot in coaching and other sports, too, like, Jason Kidd is a terrible coach because when he's trying to talk to a point guard, he's like, hey, just do it like how I did it. And it's like, uh, well, you're the best point guard of your generation. Right. I can't just do what you did. And in some ways, Molitor was so hitting focused, uh, he kind of let pitching fall off. Watching him manage a bullpen was so frustrating day in and day out. <laughs> and so Baldelli says, hey, I never have pitched a major league game in my life. I'm going to let somebody who can do that type of the game and the game plan better than me do it. And it's a culture of empowering your coaches to talk to players who then can feel empowered to execute the game plan. Yeah, that's I love that. And I think Ricky Renteria and Don Cooper do not have a good system on the south side of the city right now No, uh, in regards to our team, in regards to managing a bullpen, in regards to whose roles are whose. So I yeah, I love that you bring that up with what Baldo is doing. I would have never known that. Um, speaking of, you know, how the Twins are doing, obviously you're all aboard in regards to, you know, what's Call going me on. me the train conductor. The, I love that train conductor <laughs> comment right there. That's good. Um, so do you... Uh, Obviously, we talked about sustainability, and obviously, you yeah. look at your lineup, and you don't think that they're going to obliterate the major league record for home runs. Um, but do you yeah. think they're going to maybe run away with this division with a 10-15 game lead? Um, and is this going to be the Minnesota Twins that we're going to see on a year-to-year basis, in your opinion? So, so I do think we're going to win the division. The Twins are inevitably going to beat up on teams that are worse than them because they're not making mistakes. They're able to get four to five runs up on the board, and that's just going to – you're going to win series against worse teams. But to the teams that have been there and have showed up and have equally talented rosters, I do think there's some growing edges for our primarily 25 to 27-year-old core of young hitters who are going to have to take some, some steps – uh, some road, you know, some bumps in the road. Um, but I do think we we signed Polanco, Jorge Polanco, our shortstop, and Max Kepler, our right fielder, for five years each this offseason, a very team-friendly yeah. contract. Buxton is still young. Sano's come back and has hit, like, eight. He's got, like, eight hits, and five of them are home runs in, like, a week. It's like, <laughs> okay, we're, and we back, chance the rapper. 
Um, <laughs> we have a young core who I think will help us continue, but we do need an ace, man. We need a, a signing of a Dallas Keiko or a trading of a Madison Bumgarner because Barrios is, is our only filthy curve. So all that to be said, I think we make the playoffs this year. I think we probably advance to the ALCS and lose, but I do think we will be a contender going forward with the infrastructure that's already in place. There's there's a hot take. No, I don't the think it's a hot take at all. Wins no. to the ALCS. I mean, we talked about this earlier, Tom, and we did so, Joel, in, on one of our earlier episodes. This was oh god, a couple couple months ago, two and a half months ago, maybe Tom. It was a preseason episode, mm-hmm. and we talked about. We did a uh, hot take, not take was the episode right. or the, the segment. And my hot take, not take for Tommy was the Minnesota Twins will win the AL Central. And Tommy said. I remember that episode. I was it, so happy to hear you say that. And Tommy <laughs> said, no way. Yeah. Tommy said, no way. And no. I just, I, yeah, I think with what Cleveland like lost and what they, especially with the injuries, I could have never predicted the injuries. Well, yeah, nobody I mean, could have. Yeah. Uh, but I think with, with, with what you guys picked up in the free agent market um, in regards to what I know you guys have in your starting rotation, um, and I know you, you mentioned that, I, I guess this leads me to what I wanted to mention too, is you say that you know the Twins need a guy like Keuchel or Bumgarner. But I mean, so why? let me ask you, why the lack of faith in a guy like Kyle Gibson or um, Barrios, Barrios being or, a, that ace guy that's just going to be shut down? Or even Odorizzi. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing, though, is those three are our top three. If Perez continues to be what he is, yes, he would be higher than them, but it just seems like some way this cutter's going to fall. Uh, it's not sustainable. But our bullpen, if we only get six, our bullpen also needs much reinforcing because we are getting six innings out of everyone all the time, if not more. So they're not getting shelled because they're not that overworked, which is like, has anyone ever said that about their bullpen in Major League history? (laughs) Everyone's bullpen is always overworked. So, A, I'm worried about that, but we need a guy in the playoffs who can say, hey, I'm going to bring it eight, I'm going to bring it nine, I'm going to put the team on my back. And and I just don't think we have that swag on the pitching side like we do on the hitting side. When Eddie Rosario says, hey, the ball's at my shoulder, I'm not even saying shoulder height, I'm saying it's literally up and in, about to hit him in the shoulder, and I'm going to knock it out of the park because I'm our team's <laughs> you know, leader, I'm the one who's kind of – and people hyped we need someone on that side i think just mentally from the pitching standpoint hmm. so craig kimbrell to the twins oh my gosh dude if only that would be one heck of a blockbuster i think that would blow everybody out of the water it would completely change the perspective on the twins too because the reason why i was not take on that is because I was thinking twins of late, where it's like you have a hot streak because you have some talent, but then you just kind of fall off, and it's like, oh, there's the twins again. But with these culture changes that you've been talking about, like I'm seeing a new kind of twins from your perspective, which is really interesting. Yeah, no, I, 
I low-key envy, envy you a little bit right now. I high-key envy you. The second you said that you were thinking about Dallas Keuchel and thinking about Kimbrel, I was like, oh my God, in my head, thinking if I were in the state of mind where I could say that confidently about my baseball team, I would be on cloud nine just like all summer long. But instead we got, you know, Yomer Sanchez. Well, so, but here's the thing with you all to focus on the team of the podcast. Yes. Is your farm system is just loaded. You're not wrong. And the interview yeah. we just finished up with was the uh, a focus on the farm system. Mm-hmm. Focus on the farm. It sounds like getting back to American Midwest values. Honestly. <laughs> no. Um and so what we have right now is a crop of guys that came up together and they are entering that just prime twenty seven to 30 year range you know we got that coming in about the next three to four years with our young guys so you all will probably be what how how old is elo him uh, him and us he was 22 or 23 i think he may have just turned. yeah so within within five six years that's you all it's so funny too because all yeah. of these White Sox fans. I think it's really tough because I think a lot of us White Sox fans saw this rebuild as being something that everybody was like 2020 or bust or 2021 or bust, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like we expect all these guys to come out to come out of the farm system and just be absolutely perfect right out of the gates. Well, um, the problem is we have we compare it to the North Side because that rebuild was it took two years basically. It was, it, was, it was quick. It right? was maybe three years, and then all of a sudden the Cubs have winning records and are, like, clubbing people. And it's just – it's not fair. That that was the most complainy. <laughs> <laughs> no, let it, let it out, man. This is that the is horrible. Well, the expectation of this team in maybe February was that you all could be the third – one of the top three teams in the division. Especially if you get Manny, you probably would say, hey, we're the number one contender for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And so you're raising this, okay, Eloy is going to take a big step. Dylan Cease is going to come up, and he's going to be who we want. And you start talking yourself into the upside of every single fringe player, and you go, we got it. You know, Tommy Boy, we're saying there's a chance. Um, but, so, but does that make sense, what I'm saying? Uh, am I wrong? No. no, and I think one thing that you bring up, especially, and we mentioned this earlier, and this when we did our, our biggest highs and biggest lows of, of offseason, is we talked about how the Michael Kopech injury is, is the biggest low to last year's White Sox season uh, in multiple ways. Because number one, you obviously are without Kopech and seeing his development in the majors for an entire year. But with that as well, I think it also handcuffed the White Sox in thinking what they could do in the offseason. Oh, hugely. I mean, you look at what we had before that injury. You know, we had a number one starter. We had a number two starter. We had a number three starter, a number four starter coming up. And another like if you can go down the list, we had our starting rotation figured out. We had big hitters coming up. And then all of a sudden we lose the top one. And then it just kind of looks a little hazier and it pushes you back a full year. And then you have on top of that Tommy John surgery to another three ball players. Like it's tough to say that we still have a stacked minor league system when these injuries are hitting like crazy. Right. 
and that's you know that's baseball, which is why I believe every high school pitcher should get Tommy John surgery at 18. I'm just kidding. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. <laughs> have you heard that take? No, I think insane. I have heard that once before. It's a little it's wild. Maybe my favorite take. Hey, just put dead ligaments in 18 year old's body and think that that's gonna be what's gonna work out the best for your franchise. Oh my god, it's such a horror. Um, yeah, and so the expectations, I think you're sitting and you're feeling that right now because a little bit you're, like, checking your watch and you're like, it's only it's only May right now. Is it going to keep rolling downhill? Yeah. But it's a long season in the other way as well. Like, you're going to start to see some developments of guys that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, and what's really frustrating, though, is this is something that, like, I heard on another podcast recently anyhow, um, but it's – we're sick of seeing guys that we know aren't going to be there, you know? Yeah. Like it's nice to have an, an Alonzo in the, in the ball club, like in the clubhouse, just to like be a veteran guy who has been to the playoffs, who's been to the world series, Steve's ah, making faces ugh. at me, making faces, but it doesn't matter. Like the point is he knows how to be a big league player, and that's the reason why you have him. That's the reason why you have Jose Abreu there, which I think, still think we extend Abreu. Oh, so you give me the, yeah, that's fine, hand to well, him. Well, Jose Abreu <laughs> actually produces. Has, You're not you wrong. Know. You're not wrong. But the point stands, like, it's good to have those guys in, in the ball club. But it, if they're not going to be there, they're not going to be there. Get them off the field, you know? So Well, especially yonder Alonzo, because you cannot tell me a single person has walked into guaranteed right field and been like, man, Alonzo's playing? That's great. <laughs> you know, like, Jose, he's a name. He's a presence. There's value in your kind of bottom line dollar portion of the team's business. But I completely agree that you got to have people like Boycott Beef get out of that, you guys, for real. Yes, absolutely. Thank (laughs) you. Because he's not the future. No, for sure. And it's funny, too, because we have two catching prospects. One is now up. Because of Sebi Zavala, because of his yeah, he's got like seven Z's in his name. That's right, baby. Just his own pronunciation of his name that's right you gotta love little sebastian anyway um and then um zach collins who's supposed to be i mean he was the fit he was a top 10 overall pick for the white Sox. so both of those center for supposed the portland trailblazers yeah wow, wrong zach collins no, playing catcher, but, all right i see you <laughs> so but yeah it's um gosh yeah hanging on for dear life here with this rebuild for sure Alrighty, well, now that we've kind of covered the, like, here and now of baseball, I want to just, like, catch if you have any good memories of, like, being at, because I've never, I never went to the Metrodome, but I know, like, I saw it a lot on TV when I was growing up, and what, do you have any, like, connection to that place, or again, like, is this, are you sold out for the here and now Target Field, Rocco Baldelli Twins? Well, so first of all, Target Field is incredible. Um, it is so fun to be able to walk up to that place. I scalp in every time I go for $5. I have this whole ordeal of scalping tickets. It's, it, I'll teach you the technique sometime. But <laughs> it, it's, all about, it's all about getting there early and, and convincing the scalper that you're helping them out. 
It's incredible. <laughs> Con the con. But, <laughs> and I'll go to humble brag city. I threw out the first pitch at the Minnesota Twins game when I was a sixth grader in the Metrodome. What? Damn, look at you, what? Joel Brand. Holy shit. So you're you didn't know this, but you're talking to a Minnesota Safety Patrol Hall of Famer right now. <laughs> Wait, time out. Say that again, please. Minnesota what patrol? So, you know, in elementary schools, you got those kids with, like, the neon vests and the big pole that has the crossing guard flag on it? Yeah, you hate those guys. No, you respect them, especially the Hall of Famers. <laughs> Wait, so you're part Uh, of the – please state that again. Minnesota what? I'm in the Minnesota Safety Patrol Hall of Fame. I didn't save anyone's life. I didn't, like, (laughs) stand there through hail and snow. I entered a contest from AAA in the newspaper, and one of the rewards (laughs) was being able to throw out the first pitch at the Minnesota Twins game. Amazing. And so – so little Joel with his sixth grade white boy afro is on the mound and I just remember looking at the uh what's the word jumbotron and seeing myself and being like wow it's tough to peak to this early in life (laughs) it's never gonna get any better uh you throw out the pitch you get the suite with your like family just to, to the nines, dude. It was the best. And so that memory is awesome. Being being uh, someone that didn't experience outdoor baseball often, really, like I went to Fenway in college, and I was like, how much would I love baseball if this is what I grew up in instead of like the concrete jungle version of this? Hmm. It's fair. That's true. Well, I I hate the so, Metrodome specifically because I swear we lost every time every time we had a series at the Metrodome, and the it was always because of stuff of the astroturf and bouncing off bag and in the back. just oh my god. The grass is always greener when you play on astroturf. Macklemore <laughs> Dang. So that is an incredible memory of that ballpark, though. Yo, oh man, throwing the pitch. I threw a strike, by the way. I'm so proud of you, Joel. So proud. We need photo evidence. I wanna, I wanna measure the stat, the like. I want the strike zone in there so that I can actually tell. I need a fact. I got a, I got a scrapbook in my apartment. Come on over, you can see the pictures. I have the jersey (laughs) that they gave me. Uh, I was kind of, I was kind of a chubby kid, so it still fits me right now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's there, man. That's fantastic. We'll definitely have to come over and see that sometime soon. So um, just two more quick ones. Um, Please. We've got you on the podcast here, and I just love to hear outside perspectives of the Chicago the Chicago White Sox because it's impossible to see yourselves from the inside, right? So what do you as a Twins fan see when you look at your, ba- your ballpark app and you see – at Chicago White Sox, what do you think of when uh, when you see us on the other side of the field? Yeah, I think you're just a couple of years too too soon, and it's really frustrating when Eloy sees a dead red fastball, it gets just slightly under it, and instead it's just mm. a pop fly. You know, it's like little stuff like that where it feels so bad in the moment, but slight adjustments here and there. You talked about Lopez and it's just pitch diversity. It's like, you guys get a good pitching coach. 
somebody who can connect with an Hispanic, uh, you Thank know, you. born, uh, you know, from a Hispanic culture, that to be an entirely different thing. I don't know what your pitching coach. Do you trust your pitching coach? No, no absolutely not. No, we are on to, record so saying he's the worst. Don Cooper has been the pitching coach for the Chicago White yeah. Sox through multiple managers. He started with Jerry Manuel. And if you know anything about Jerry Manuel, he was the manager before Ozzy Guillen. So he's been through Jerry. He's been through Ozzy. He's been through Robin. And now Renteria. Now Renteria. So he's got like a, what has it been like? 13, 14 years? More. It's been 15 plus. It's been 15 plus years on the major league, which is unheard of. It He should not exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, I just think there's some stuff like that. You start to get some of your arms from the minors to come up healthy. It, it, it's a tough space to be because I've been there. Every baseball fan has been there. When you're just like, you know, we are – it's a game of inches. And we're just one inch short right now, and it's affecting us in huge ways. Yeah, dang. I like that perspective. Makes me feel a little bit lighter, though, to know that, like, you guys on the other side of the ball field can, like, kind of see that we're almost there. Because it feels like oh, we're still dude. miles away. And I just think if Manny's there, the swagger and that culture that I'm talking about is entirely different. Uh, management has said, you know, we believe in you guys so much that we're putting 300 million plus on this team. Like that, that's something that every single person who walks through your clubhouse day in and day out knows, feels, and is benefited from. And so it didn't happen, you know, and give yourself some grace on that, you know, give yourself some, some time to mourn the Manny Machado, talk to a close friend about it. Speak his name, watch his games, and and grieve. I, You're yeah, gonna get that. there one day, and I'm gonna be frustrated because our time will pass. Baseball cyclical, but uh, you're just at the down cycle as the Twins are coming up right now. God, yeah, don't say that again. You might make me vomit. Um, so, uh, last thing, quick one. Um, Memorial Day just passed. Do you have any uh, traditions? What's on your grill? Or do you have some a hot dish in the oven since you're from Minnesota? What are you doing? Hot yeah, dish. dude, we actually grill our hot dishes. Phenomenal oh, my God, that's not a thing. You're joking. No way. grill tater tot hot dish up in here, man. And uh, we don't drink alcohol. We just open up a chicken can, uh, cream of chicken wild rice. Dang it, I botched that joke so bad. <laughs> that was uh, I don't even want to say it right. I just want to let the, the listeners feel on this opportunity. Uh, I'm a brats guy, man. Not from Milwaukee, but I love a good brat. Oh, that's um, fair. So that's that is always the, the meal of choice, uh, specifically on holidays where you're grilling. As, lo- as long as you're north of the cheddar curtain, I, th- I feel like the the bra is the go-to. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. for sure. Well, Joel, hey, thanks so much for joining us, man. This has honestly been a ton of fun. I really didn't think that a breakdown of uh, talking to a fan of a team that just absolutely destroyed us in a three-game sweep <laughs> on the road would be a ton of fun. But this actually was a blast. Yeah. Um, thanks Good. for being lighthearted. Thanks for giving us White Sox perspective outside from the outside and helping us uh cope with our grief yeah see outside of 2020 or 2021 vision yeah hey for real take it as a huge compliment when your podcast comes up i get excited to hear you guys 
You're phenomenal. Keep up the good work, and I would be honored anytime. I can fake being a fan of another team just to get another segment if you want me to. I'll do research. I'll do research on the Kansas City Royals just to get back on. I love that. Hey, thanks so much, Joel. We really appreciate it, dude. Take care. And we are back to wrap this thing up. Tom, another White Sox winner? Another White Sox winner. Two in a day. I mean, how often does that happen? It really does not happen often. I, I so even though it is Kansas City. I don't if that's ever happened. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, even though it's Kansas City is exactly right. I mean, the big win is Luke Giolito with, like, 17 Ks, not really. 10? Was it? It was 10. 10 Ks. 10 Ks on the 10 Ks over eight innings. Holy um, buckets. That's and fantastic. And way to bounce back from a rough start. A walk, a base hit, a bomb. Yeah. And then just settle in, baby. He said, I don't care about that. I'm going to get the next 14 guys out in a row. Yeah, absolutely. So that was um, heck of cool to see. For sure. Um, all that being said, Tom, two amazing interviews that we had today as well. Yeah, that was actually the highlight, I think. I mean, two Sox winners, two great interviews. What do you, you can't beat today. You cannot beat today. Today was a prime day for White Sox baseball and for the Sons of Honarchy podcast. So all that being said, Tom. Rebuild or bust. In Han we trust. Have a good one, folks.